Um, as Amy Slanker-Smith is going to come forward and share our scripture with us, I want to just take one more moment to introduce to you uh, Bishop Sue Hopper-Johnson, who so graciously agreed to come here so early. I mean, she just moved in, and uh, we are so grateful that, that you, count, you have come. She, she is probably still finding the dishes and all of the things as, as we have moved, know how to do that. But just a little bit of a history. She comes to us from the North Georgia Conference, where she served um, beginning in 2016. And she, uh, this last go-round at Jurisdictional Conference, she was moved up to here in Virginia, and we're very grateful for that. She is a native of Florida. And when she was in Florida, she went to school, and she became a lawyer. And then she received a call to ministry, much like our district superintendent, Sarah Calvert, <laughs> um, received a call to ministry. And uh, Bishop Sue um, then started serving in churches. She served large churches and smaller churches. She um, has spent a lot of time as a, dis as she spent time as a district superintendent, then as a bishop. She has practice in assigning people to congregations. Um, so she, along with Sarah and the whole cabinet, will be working on what we are all anticipating and, and preparing for and in this transition of finding a new permanent lead pastor here. And we're just so grateful that she's taken the time to come to know us. One small connectional piece that I find really interesting, Bishop Sue's sister lives in Lakeland, Florida, and that is where Tom Berlin has gone. That's where the office is of the Florida Annual Conference. So we are all connected all the time, and it's just wonderful and amazing, and um, we just want to welcome you one more time and are so grateful that you have come. Thank you. Thank you. Today's scripture reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. And good morning to the folks online. Uh, it is a joy to be here in one of the legendary churches of United Methodism. Um, I've preached in a lot of those churches, but this is certainly on my bucket list so I can go home and check it off. Uh, I am uh, Sue Hoppert Johnson. I am brand new in Virginia. And uh, being... And there is nothing settled about my life. Um, I think the word probably that comes to mind most is disarray, right? Uh, in November, when we were at Jurisdictional Conference and Tom Berlin was elected, I went in and uh, thought, okay, I'll probably, most likely, 99% chance I'll return to North Georgia, or if not, I'll go to Florida, because I grew up in Florida. I have um, been mandatorily evacuated four times, 
and returned every time our house was intact, but we were never quite sure. Uh, so I understand the new Florida bishop's uh, experience. And then I went into a room, and the head of the committee that assigns bishops uh, was speaking, and all I remember is her mouth in the shape of Virginia. <laughs> and I have to say I was excited. I mean, the Virginia Annual Conference is also uh, the history, the richness, the potential of the Virginia Annual Conference is tremendous. Uh, but I must confess that uh, there, I'm with you in the sense of it's a new world, right? Uh, that the familiar is gone. Um, in some ways, you know, the covenant prayer always gets to me because uh, it's always like, do with me what you will, but as long as I have control, right? <laughs> and so I, I have to confess that I, I'm grieving, uh, at the loss of the familiar, at the loss of folks that I loved every day being with, and I expect you are too. And I know we might as well all say hi, Tom, because you know he's watching this. Hi, Tom. <laughs> hi, Tom. <laughs> he called me like two days in, and our conversation was, I will take care of your people if you take care of my people. <laughs> but he... Um, I wanted to take a minute because I just want to say, let's just have a minute of communal lament, right? Let's just acknowledge that this is hard and that we're grieving and that this just, in many ways, is not what we would have chosen, right? So uh, when I count to three, you can groan, you can scream, you can, you, can, you know, um, under your breath say something not real nice, whatever you need to do to just unload this moment. So ready? One, two, three. Ugh. Okay, that's gone. That's gone. But I just wanted to acknowledge that because um, it's, I think for God to help us move forward, we have to formally shut the door on the time before. Now, the good news is I have every confidence. Now, I know for a fact that God knows who, exactly who the next lead pastor for Floris is. Uh, that person has been prepared for years. That person, little known to them at this moment, is even being prepared right now. I want to say thank you to Barbara and the whole staff for really giving us, yes. For giving us time and space because, uh, and I know for control freaks, and I'm a control freak, this is hard because this is all about discernment. And this is what I and the cabinet are charged with. This will be my 11th year in a cabinet room discerning who God is calling to our churches. And I want you to know that we will be deeply in prayer and discernment. Uh, Anybody who is qualified and has the gifts to lead this church will be readily identified. It's up to us to figure out who God wants to be here in this chapter of the church's history. So that is our role. That is what we need to do. And as I'm contemplating my next step, my venture into the unknown, uh, I have to think about this Second Corinthians passage, right? Everything's a new creation. All things are made new. I hate that, don't you? <laughs> I hate change. I like norms. I like routine. 
But God is not in that business. God is always, if you read the Bible, God is always messing with people. And when they get most entrenched, that's when God says, oh, they're a little entrenched. I need to move them. And so that's what this is about. And this is a chance, I think, for Flores to fully live into its next chapter. And that God will provide. God is looking. God knows the needs. And so we trust in that, and that's what helps me. Now, I thought, okay, okay, Sue, what helps you in this time of transition that might help them? And so I came up with a couple of things, and the first thing is a quote from Corey Ten Boom. Corrie ten Boom, uh, they hid Jews in Amsterdam in the Netherlands during World War II when she and her family were taken to the concentration camps and all of her family died except her. And she went and became an amazing voice for Christ throughout the years, the rest of her life. But she had a great quote that I think of often in situations like this. And I will say, if I ever have a tattoo, this is what I will have. This is what she said, never be afraid, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Isn't that fantastic? Never be, why don't we say it together? Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. That has gotten me through a lot of 3 a.m. oh no, what's happening in my world times. Because we know God is faithful, we know God is loving, we know God provides, we know God wants all that is best for Christ in the church, and so we aren't going to be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So that's one thing I offer you. The second thing I offer you is this time of transition is really a great time for you to prepare Uh, God's extreme makeover. Years ago, I was uh, having lunch with a friend of mine, and he said to me, you know, Sue, I've got a question I've asked every Methodist I've ever known, and none of them could answer it. Well, I was a new pastor. I thought, I've just been put on the spot. I said, okay, go ahead. What's your question? He said, what's the method? What's the method? I was like, oh, I'm glad I know the answer to that. And so my second piece of advice for you is to be about the method, to be good Methodists. And that's why, where this second Corinthians passage comes in. Because God's extreme maker, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, found that if you will take time every day and make space every day, for the Holy Spirit of Christ to come into you, to transform you, to work in you, day by day, month by month, year by year, little by little, the Holy Spirit will transform you methodically to have the mind of Christ. It's a powerful thing, isn't it? Now, I always add to that, if you've been in a Methodist church 30, 40, 50 years, you should be darn near perfection in love, right? Or you do need to do some remedial work, right? So I would say in this time of preparation, the best thing you can do for the health of Flores Church is all of you to become 
more close to God, more grounded spiritually, more like Christ. Let's face it, the next person has a hard act to follow. And so the more spiritually mature you are, the more in touch with Christ you are, the more dedicated to him and this church you are, the easier that person's path is going to be. I've always said there's nothing better than a church with a clear vision of itself that the next pastor can come in and just use their gifts and the church doesn't miss a beat. And that's, this is one of those churches, I have no doubt. And so how do we become good Methodists? How do we stay good Methodists? Well, we create the time and space every day. Uh, Paul, if you didn't notice, uh, we wouldn't have much of a New Testament without church fights. Paul is constantly writing them. And the second letter to the church at Corinth, if you got two letters, it was really bad. Okay, so this is really bad. So Paul writes to them and says, remember that in Christ you're a new creation. And he always, throughout his letters, reminds them to have the mind of Christ. Because if I have the mind of Christ, I am one with him. And I value what he values. And I'm concerned about what he's concerned about. And I live in ways that please him. And so uh, I would go every day, and and it's like training for a marathon. I'm glad I'm not doing that, but spiritual marathon where you take, it's about daily practice and daily time. And why wouldn't you want that? I mean, all of us just need to sit in the quiet and put our hands out and bask in the love of God and say, God, I need you to remind me that I'm your beloved. And I need you to remind me that you're at work in me to make me all that you want me to be. Now, um, I always say if you want a report card on how you're doing spiritually, ask your spouse or your partner or your child. Now, I have a 21-year-old. I try not to ask her. (laughs) But this is the report card. Paul gives it to us in Galatians, right? Am I loving Joyful, peaceful, patient, gentle, kind, faithful, generous, and self-controlled. If you're all those things, I want to go home with you. But I think that is what keeps us humble, right? As I go and as I expose myself to God and as I listen, you know, think about my day and as I lay it before God, I, just when I think I'm getting somewhere spiritually, it'll be like, oh, that was not kind. That was not faithful. That was ugly, Sue. And God's whole goal is to get Sue out of the way so that Christ stands a chance. And that's God's work, the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And why is that so important? Because if we have the mind of Christ, if we are transformed, if we are one with Christ, only then can we be one with each other, right? Because I have to, if we all have the mind of Christ, we all are on one page, amen? Amen. If we all have the mind of Christ, it brings unity and joy and and closeness. And so um, I I think back, I don't know about Barbara, 
but I think back to people in my churches as a pastor who got on my last nerve. I know that doesn't happen to you. Everybody in here has somebody who gets on your last nerve, right? Constant source of irritation. No? God, this is a special church. No, I always, and I would have to like take them with me in my time with God and say, God, this person gets on my last nerve. And I would pray. I've got a whole list. (laughs) As a bishop, it gets longer, right? I have to laugh. I think, you know, if Tom didn't miss you now, every week as a bishop, he's going to miss you more. (laughs) So just take, just take solace in that. But I would find that when I would pray for these people and when I would really reflect on it, when I would offer these relationships to God that now sometimes it took a year or two, but eventually they'd walk in and and I would love them. I can't explain it. It's supernatural. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. But usually what happened was I'd get to know them, right? I'd enter into a relationship with them and I'd find out Considering what they've gone through, they're pretty normal. And irritating is probably they have good cause. Or, even more, I would find there's something about me that is messed up in this relationship. And so it's incumbent on all of us to be one with Christ and open to his mind because then we can be one with each other. You know, that's the heart of the matter. It's not believing the same thing or insisting on our own way. It's about yielding to Christ. And what unites us is we are all committed to letting his Holy Spirit do its work in our lives and the lives of our communities. And so it makes us one with Christ, one with each other. And then the best part, one in ministry to all the world. And you do that well, amen? You are a missional church. I have heard that my whole ministry. Flores is a missional church. All of those, I hope all of you will go on one of those trips. The Florida one might be kind of nice. But I think that the one in ministry to all the world, the power, I can't tell you how many people I talk to and they're like, yeah, I don't go to church. I kind of do religion on my own way. I'm kind of spiritual and I like that. And I'm like, fine. But you're one person. How much change can you do as one person? And so the whole vision of Christianity is that it's no solo deal. There's no lonely Christian. You come into groups. You come into the church. You come because all of us collectively can do far more than we can do alone. And Jesus even said, and this is miraculous to me, Jesus even said, you can do more together than I did. This guy who walked on water and did all of these things We can do more than he did through our combined gifts and our combined efforts. We can pray for each other, and that's the beauty of the church. When one person is miserable and doesn't see God, you come and you see people around you who hold you up and say, trust, have faith, we will hold you till you can believe again. The power of mission together. The power of pouring yourself out for those who God loves. The power for inviting those far off to a place where they are welcome and joyous. What a great thing. That is what life is all about. 
Years ago, I was reflecting in my, in my prayer time and I thought about my childhood and many times I would play the three wishes game. Did you ever do that? Oh man, you know, and then usually your first wish would be three more wishes, right? Yeah, it was all that. But it was usually childish games, usually involving lots of chocolate, uh, usually involving, you know, um, lots of puppies. But then I thought, you know, I thought in my adult life, in my prayer time, what would my wish be if I had one wish that could be granted? And I prayed about it and I thought about it and I came up with this and I think I would give my life for this. I wish that every person could be cherished. You know, I've had an embarrassment of cherishing in my life. I think of the people who showed me Christ who poured themselves into my life. I think of people who encouraged me when I was distraught. I think of people when I was grieving who poured comfort and consolation into my life. And then I think of those who are far off in these communities around you, in the world. I've got to look up in Virginia. In North Georgia, 2,500 children every year aged out of the foster system. Reminds me of that old song from Oliver, Where is Love, right? Does it fall from skies above? Is it underneath the willow tree that I've been dreaming of? Where is she who I close my eyes to see? Will I ever know the sweet hello that's meant for only me? Every night I kneel and pray, let tomorrow be the day when I see the face of someone who I can mean something to. Where is love? Jesus never lets us sit still. As long as there is a lonely or grieving or heartsick or broken person, our work is not done. It doesn't matter who our senior pastor is. It doesn't matter what's going on in the life of our church. That mission never ends. And so if you want to help Flores Church in this time of transition, first of all, pray for our discernment. But then pour yourself into being a good Methodist. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God's extreme makeover is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you become one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. So go about that work. And I guarantee by doing that work, the deeper spiritually you are, the more spiritual maturity you are, the more bound together you are, the more committed to mission you are together the easier Tom's successor will have it. I pledge to you we will be in prayer and discernment. We will be beating the bushes to find the best leader for Flores Church. We know the jewel you have here, and we know the responsibility we have in preserving it and maintaining it. So as Jesus said, I love this line, and I always use the King's, King James Version, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. We are at work, and I ask you to do the spiritual work, to get into your time of prayer and discernment daily, methodically, 
because I really do believe the best days of Flores Church are ahead. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to unknown God. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen.